So welcome to episode 28 of the Cake Watch podcast. Uh, my name is Chris Kendall. I am an EU official, a humble Eurocrat, but um, that's not important because that's not why I'm here. I'm just a normal bloke here in a strictly personal capacity. Strictly personal capacity, strictly that's very important. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't dance, but I do strictly personal. Yeah, go on. <laughs> my name's Steve Bullock. I'm an uh, ex-negotiator for the UK and the EU, and I haven't turned my phone to silent. Um, and I'm also here in a strictly personal capacity. And we're really pleased this uh, this week that we're doing a Cakewatch Live outside broadcast from a meeting room in the European Parliament. And we have some fantastic guests here today. Yeah, do you think we should ask them to introduce themselves? That's a good idea. <laughs> Hello, I'm Julie Gerling. I'm an MEP. I'm from the southwest of England and I am a member of the EPP group, very newly. Uh, recently, um, I used to be a Conservative. <laughs> I, I'm Seb Dance. I uh, a Labour MEP for London. Um, and you, you know, Julie, you've robbed the S&D of our one claim that we had. Every, a member, uh, an MEP from every single member state. Now the EPP can say the same thing. Yeah. But there we go. But um, yes, uh, uh, what haven't I said? That's fine. That's who I am. <laughs> Don't know who you are. And you were on Romaniacs before I was. this podcast. I was. I was. The same cannot be said for the third cool. guest. <laughs> I'm Alan Smith, Leeds University, reading law. <laughs> <laughs> It's more like university charms than anything else. I'm uh, Alan Smith, uh, SNP, member of the European Parliament for Scotland, and uh, very proudly the, the, the first of, of the three of, of, the, of, the, of the four of us here to uh, uh, appear in a cake watch. <laughs> if I think you were up, you were up first guest, actually. I think you were. Yeah, I think you were up first. Yeah, you were. Uh, first, first, first time. Yeah, it hadn't really occurred to us before. Well, the issue all the swear words. The first podcast that we did that we didn't have to mark explicit in iTunes. Oh, really? Yeah, very surprised. So I was going to say, so the way we're all set up here is that Steve and I are sitting on one side of the table, and then to my right, appropriately, and then progressively moving forward to the left, we have Seb and then Alan. We're hoping to be joined at some point. Are you guys in the Oh yeah, we're hoping to be joined by by Molly Scott Keto. Uh, MEP, who would be on the furthest left, I think. That's fair to say. On oh, some stuff. On oh, some stuff, yeah. <laughs> it kind of depends. Well, she, she's a member of the Green Party. Yes. Should add. Yeah. And which actually, know, which she did know. And actually, we had asked uh, Catherine Bearder from Lib Dems to be here, and she had accepted, but unfortunately can't because she's away on EP uh, Parliament business, uh, which is a great show. Uh, but we can. We've got centrists here. Yeah. We, <laughs> Yeah, we've got we've got Chris. <laughs> we've got Chris. Twitter's for the centrist federalist. <laughs> I know. I'm, I, I've just literally um, had a go. At, um, I've just literally had a go at Owen Jones for um, 
smearing me as a centrist. <laughs> Good old Johnson. <laughs> me generally, not me, but not me specifically. But I noticed that it was fav- uh, it was fav- the uh, the tweet was liked by somebody in the room. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You've got up in the world if you're if you're being smeared directly by Owen Jones. No, it's not. Yeah. Right. I, I dream of being smeared yeah. by Owen. No, I wish. <laughs> 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 Okay, <laughs> uh, so we have one. We, we have one bit of update from uh, from last week, uh, which is that uh, our great friends at uh, the Remainer Now account on Twitter and Facebook, um, who document people who've changed their minds, uh, who voted Leave, and have changed their minds and would now vote Remain, and many of whom are now campaigning uh, for Remain or for a referendum uh, on it, uh, have just started their own podcast. Which uh, so we're very very happy to to, to plug that, um, and I believe they're running on a on a on a shoestring, and I feel quite guilty because they asked me for audio tips and I didn't get around to sending any. So uh, anybody who does listen to it, if there's anything wrong with the audio quality, it's actually my fault for not for not helping them with the the audio quality. But it's a really great count, and I think this is what I know that some people get cross when they come across people who would leave and now regret it. And we've, I mean, we've talked about this a few times, Chris, haven't we? And we think this is incredible. It's cross. Welcome converts. Exactly, yeah, precisely, yeah. Yeah, um, so the first podcast is up, um, and you can find it on Audio Boom, uh, but I think you can also find it from, from iTunes. And um, there's a really interesting um, and quite short interview that Andy, Remainer now, Andy, does with uh, Danny, um, Danny Dude. He's called oh, yeah, Danny on. Dude, yeah. uh, and I, I confess that there were, there were a couple of points during the conversation that they had that I got a little bit irritable because of some of the things that were said about why Dami had voted leave and then converted, which is, I mean, I, I feel a bit bad being that curmudgeon, um, but um, I think it's very brave of Absolutely. him to come forward and say, listen, you know what, I own the mistake. Um, I, you know, there were reasons why I voted the way I did, but things have changed and now I'm campaigning for, for people's votes. You know, good on them. Um, I mean, we, we've got to recognise there's lots of rational reasons why people voted leave. Yeah. I mean, for, for, for lots of people, this was an entirely rational, sensible decision to have made. And, and the reality is, of course, that the, 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 the product that was sold on that rational basis doesn't exist. Yeah. And it's people who are, are recognising that. And we, we should absolutely welcome mm. Uh, uh, Remainers yeah, now, definitely. No, of course. I mean, if it was going to lead to untold sunlit uplands, you know, if it was going to lead to vast increases in GDP and better jobs and better public services, uh, then of course, I mean, yeah, the, 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 the fact that I have an emotional attachment to a to a political project should be neither here nor there to people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It was it was missold. It was sold missold wrongen, but missold wrongen very deliberately by people who had planned to yeah. sell them wrongen. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's the and, that, and that's exactly that's where the anger should be, not not on the people mm-hmm. who voted, but the people who sold it on that mm-hmm. basis. Because as, as, as we discussed last time I was on yeah. the, the, the Kate Watch podcast, the anger was real. The anger that they tapped into and misdirected about public services that aren't as good as they should yeah. be about. Mm-hmm job insecurity, about the effect of automation, about well, the effect of climate change in parts of the UK is now evident, mm. uh, was real. <laughs> but what they were able to successfully do because of a variety of other reasons was say, vote leave and all of that will be fixed. Yeah. And, and it takes real real bravery to admit that yeah. you were misled or you got it wrong or you've reconsidered. So it, I'd, I'd hope that anybody who, who's hearing that is welcoming of mm. the yeah. converts rather than yeah. anyone uh, else. Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. You're right, Alan. And, and 
frankly, you know, if 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 we do touch wood have uh, a people's vote uh, and a final say, um, the people who are going to make all the difference are going to be those people who were uh, remainers. Who are remainers now? Oh, somebody, somebody just walked into the room. Ah, very cool. we're in the presence of a historical artifact. I thought. So somebody has just for for those watching in podcast, uh, the podcast, uh, somebody's just brought uh, Seb's famous uh, "He's Lying to You" sign, which he held up behind uh, behind Nigel Nigel Farage. Um, I have to say that the, the first time I went into your office, Sam, I did kind of see it and go, oh my God, and take a selfie with it. So I, I think it was an entirely natural reaction from people. By the time you hear this, you will, without a shadow of that, have seen the selfie that I'm about to uh, take. And retweet and retweet. So sorry, where was I? No, I was, I was, I was just sort of saying that indeed, um, you know, if, 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 if a difference is going to be made, it's going to be made by those people who are angry because they were fooled last time yeah. and who can come forward and say to other people, listen, it's okay to change your mind. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just be saying the same thing that I said last time. Um, but, but I don't, be- I don't believe that anybody other than, you know, the small percentage of population of any population that are, you know, generally just unpleasant people. I don't believe that anybody watches a uh, watchdog, for example, and sees somebody being ripped off by somebody and says, well, you deserve it. You're an idiot. And people don't say that. They go, well, that's dreadful. You were conned. Mm. Um, and this idea that... I mean, I have a lot of trouble with this idea that we're telling people... Uh, that we're, we're telling people that they're stupid. We're not telling people that they're stupid. We're telling people what, what, was deli- what wealthy, influential people deliberately set out to con them about. Um, it's a very delicate thing to do, though. I mean, it's the, wor- the words you use, the tone mm-hmm. you use. It's hard. Much, yeah. It's hard because nobody wants to say I've made a mistake or I'm an idiot or anything else. No, like of course. That. And that's what they hear when you... S- mm. It doesn't matter how soft your language is. That's what they hear. Mm. And so it's difficult. I tend to... Personally, I tend to sort of... If people talk a bit about it, they look like they're wavering. I... And just say very nice, warm and cuddly things to them. I don't even bother to say you were lied to by those awful mm. people mm. because I actually don't think you can get that across very easily. Mm. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm really bad at this. <laughs> yeah, you are. You are. <laughs> just, just let them come. Let them, let them, let them, keep, let them keep walking. <laughs> should, we, should we move on to the next one? I think we should move on to the next one before I start looking at the and reading the absolutely. So the other important piece of follow-up is that we put out a bonus podcast at the weekend, which was a really... This was a bit of a scoop for us, really. Yeah, I didn't think yeah. of it. I just, yeah. I just thought, yeah, I thought there was more audio, audio treatment work to do. Yeah. So if you haven't listened to this yet, um, it's episode 27A, but it's, it's the... Um, we were literally just handed the audio files by European Movement Nottingham um, of, of a Question Time event that yeah. they'd done. Um, with a really all-star panel. Great lineup, but a yeah. bit of follow-up here is that in my intro, I forgot to mention a key member of the panel. Oh, you did, yes. So we better mention him now, so it's Chris Leslie. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. Okay, I've done what I needed yeah, to do. Yeah, great. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay, what should we do now? I think we should talk about what's happening this week. Yeah, Hell Week. I think we should, yeah. Um, find out a little bit from our guests what they think is going to happen and why, and do some crystal ball gazing. Well, yeah. where are well, where are we? Where where we are is that uh, uh, 
negotiators worked all weekend on the withdrawal agreement. Um, they seemed to have made an agreement at technical level, and then uh, Ollie Robbins came over, and they're conflicting stories about this. Either Ollie Robbins came over to discuss it, or Ollie Robbins came over to reject it in person, out of a sort of respect. Tom Dominic Rob, Rob, sorry. They do all look the same to be fair. I think while I did that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I don't get to edit the bit where I was going on about how cross I was with people who voted the other way. No, no, I'm going to retweet all of your tweets about it. So D- Dominic Rav came over and the conflicting stories about this of whether he came over to discuss it or whether he came over, I don't actually, which would have been out of courtesy to reject it in person rather than rather than over the phone. Um, and this was this was rejected. Uh, what seems to have happened is that the, uh, the UK government has come with a request for an all-UK customs union combined with, a t- which would be time-limited, combined with uh, time lim- also time-limited uh, regulatory alignment for, for Northern Ireland. Um, and the Commission said, uh, well, no, that would be a non, you know, the customs union the UK being in the customs union is absolutely absolutely possible, but that would be for the that would be for the future future relationship, um, and that wouldn't solve the Northern Ireland problem in itself, because you need regulator alignment or something very close to the at least single market in goods, uh, as well as the customs union. The customs union only covers uh, only covers part of it. Plus a backstop. So the commission is sticking to its backstop, which the government is now calling a backstop to the backstop. Of course, it isn't a backstop to a backstop. It's, only one it's backstop. a back. It's the backstop because the second backstop of the customs union, or the UK customs union, mm. if it's time limited, is not a backstop. Mm. Um, well, I think it was the UK government that asked for the backstop to mm. the backstop, and then and then mm. Theresa May stood up and said, "Isn't this ludicrous? They yes. want this." It's like, well, That's what I was. No, I'm not surprised. This sort of. Amazed, really, at the sort of you know, gymnastics involved in this. Well, I mean, they're pretty good at gym. Yeah, <laughs> and amazed that we can still be amazed by this sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, you tell me if I Yeah, we wouldn't be amazed or shocked, but we are. But then the, the latest this afternoon is that apparently there is um, cabinet unity. Um, well, it's cabinet unity that they haven't decided what to reject. No, no, that they've. Uh, <laughs> let, let's let's do a hot off the press. Um, so the headline of the Guardian, as I was walking over, um, is that no, not Trump's painting. <laughs> well, in the meantime, well, Theresa May calls for unity after winning cabinet backing. So, in other words, um, um, she has won the backing of a cabinet for her um, backstop idea that was already rejected by Brussels, it seems. Brilliant. She's saying that if we as a government... If we as a government stand together and stand firm, we can achieve this. I think she's rather overestimating the impact of that here. Mm. It's true, I think, that here they're really worried about the British government being an unreliable partner and not being united. But just saying they're united is not going to solve that because no. there's far too much history of them. Yeah. Or, you know, you could, each one of them a cabinet, you could have a little thing out of what did, what did they misspeak on to be polite. Was it Nazi commandants, yeah. was it? <laughs> it's just the idea that, that Theresa saying that they're all united is actually going to make... People here go, wow, that's great, okay, we can start negotiating. I think it's rather a joke. Yeah. So, so the other, so, so, sorry, the other piece of um, 
hot press to, to, to throw into that mix is that, and you may have seen this, but it was reported by Jurek Kuskevich, I don't know who that is, a senior writer for Le Soir, who's, who writes that um, Barnier has apparently said that it, it will take more time and we will need to take the time to find an agreement in the next few weeks. So, so, the, pl- so the plan had been that there would be an agreement on the, w- on the withdrawal agreement at the, uh, at the European Council, which starts tomorrow night. Mm. Um, and then, then there would be a month to get the, uh, the political declaration on the future relationship into shape, um, and then that would all, the whole package would be agreed at a special November summer. Now, Tusk's written to E27 saying the question is whether we want to bother holding a summit in November. Mm. So that strikes me how that question... It's all sorted, there's no point, or it's, uh, it's you know, we're not going to make sufficient progress by then. Well, I think, if, yeah, I think if it's all sorted, then there would, be, then there would still have well, to be one for the yeah, political declaration. There's this theory, and we were discussing this earlier, and, and there's not agreement on this theory in, in the room, but that, that actually they're closer than, than it looks to an agreement, and that most of this is... It's all theatre. ...theatre, in order to make it look as if the Prime Minister is fighting you know, much harder and then comes back, having secured something or other... Mm-hmm. That in reality was always going to be the case, but yeah, who knows? But do you think? I mean, do you think council would? Hi, uh, Molly Stockato has entered the room. <laughs> uh, welcome, Molly. Thank you. Um, but do you think that? Do you think that ca- council would be willing? Well, this is. To, a, I mean, yeah. Uh, Twenty-seven leaders yeah. would be willing to jump through this. You think Oops. something would leak? I mean, I, I'm skeptical as well. But, but having said that, I can see how that would be a. Um, a way of making it look certainly to the DUP that there was more going on than, than there actually is. But are we allowed to ask who's where in the room the disagreement lies? Oh yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Julie and I were having this chat. Okay. Yeah. Well, I I think we've run out of the road for theatre because I think the EU twenty seven are getting really very irritated and that irritation will boil over at some point. And we've seen already Tusk make a few remarks, which were not, didn't go down very well after the last meeting, etc. Which it, It's all getting a bit fractious. Um, mm. I think the key to this is the government's relationship with the DUP. I think they can't resolve that, this side of the budget. I think they're going to throw the DUP under the bus after that. Uh, this is just my theory. Uh, so they're getting a delay Ah, so this is just this, this is theatre, but it's theatre on the UK side just to create a delay to get through the budget. Yeah, uh, I looked at it like that. Yeah. What? What? Sorry, but on that, surely the ERG would throw their weight in then behind the DUP on the on the vote on the deal. Well, I think the ERG, if you if you look at the numbers, so ERG in total, it's not all the ERG. It's the hardcore, and if they're balanced out by, I think. The calculation would be they're balanced out by a hardcore of Labour um, members who would go for any deal that's not mm. no deal mm. on the basis yeah. that. Yeah. So I don't I don't know any day any given day you can mm. do the maths. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Slightly different, but I think the theory is that there will only be a relatively small proportion of the ERG who will actually yeah. do what they say they're going to do and vote against it because when all said and done, never underestimate the venality of Westminster members. Yeah. I think we'd probably all say, well, certainly top of my list, what have I learned about what the world? 
um, following Brexit, and it is the immense capacity of members of Parliament to just think about themselves mm. and not think about you know, the country. I find it astonishing. But what about Femi's point here, which is that ultimately MEPs will not want to be left looking responsible for the appalling catastrophe oh, that any, but I'm talking about Femi... Do you mean MPs? No, I mean that if they look like they're responsible for this afterwards, yeah. then that yes, will be okay. very bad for them. That's his argument. So, you know, all the MPs should be supporting a people's vote so they can blame the people. I think that's what could happen if the cards fall right. That's the way it could happen. To me, that's the only way we're ever going. We're going to get a people's vote. Isn't what they're already doing effectively? But just 2016. Indeed. But I think that they've completely I mean nobody has any faith in them at all mm. you know really from all sides if you read the the Tory uh, tweets you can't trust Theresa May for all the various reasons you read you know sort of hard left tweets you can't trust it, it yeah. Nobody trusts anybody. Yeah. I, just I mean, she was very alone in the House of Commons. She was not yes. yeah, yeah, I, I almost felt sorry for her. So almost, almost <laughs> not quite. Not after what she did to me, but <laughs> I, I think that there's actually no faith in in them as mm. people who've got the, the the if you like the bent the welfare of the country at heart, mm. and therefore we're all shifting around trying to find well what what to them. I, I look at it, well, what, what, each faction, what preserves their position best? How mm. do they keep their seat as an MEP? Mm. And that's what they'll do. We've talked about this before, the, 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 strategy, the strategy such as it is, is just to get through the next day or the next couple of days. And actually, uh, actually, May is quite good at that. She is actually quite good at finding a solution for the next two or three days. Yeah, in the absence of, of any, any opposition which actually can... Take her out. I mean, she she's making use of the fact that there's no united opposition to it. As I say, everyone's got their own little individual bit of self-interest, and they're not sticking together. Can we can we talk for a second about the European Parliament? Because um, you, you said that Julian, I think you're right that this entire this has been a terrible experience, a terrible. Um, this has been a terrible period for Westminster's reputation. Oh, yeah, the cynics were right. I mean, yeah. the people who've always been right, cynical about politics, now look like they were they were right right all along, which is awful. But on the other hand, it's it's been terrific for the European Parliament's brand in the UK, hasn't it? Don't you think? Well, except we've right. been excluded so absolutely from most media channels, other than the sort of thing you're recording. I mean, we're meeting Fran Unsworth. This is no longer a secret, is it? Since someone reported it tomorrow. <laughs> And, you know, we're going to ask her some very searching questions. For example, why have there been no pro-EU MEPs on question time? Why have pro-EU MEPs been excluded from all the serious debates? You know, why do we get the, a troop of ignorant MPs one after another on all the BBC's main flagship news programmes? Plus Farage. Oh, yeah. Hmm. I mean, that's the thing. When, when they have MEPs, it's for us, basically. Yeah, it's not that they haven't been yeah, MEPs. No, exactly. But, yeah, and it, it's, it's this, this kind of odd, sensationalist way of looking at news that, that has infected not just commercial news sites, but also the, the, the public broadcast. But this has been deliberately exclusion of MEPs. I mean, we met Robbie Gibb a couple of years ago, or shortly after I became an MEP. Robbie Gibb is. Robbie Gibb, he was the job that Fran Unsworth is doing, which is head of political programming. So they make the decisions about how they get political balance on the main BBC 
programs and um, you know we had this chat with him he patronised us uh, he was actually the deputy when I met him then his boss kind of disappeared the Christmas just before Brexit which I found rather suspect mm. in itself then he presided over this choice right mm. through the referendum and then moved on to direct Theresa May's communications mm. so I just don't think this was accidental no. at all no no, no, indeed. But I mean, okay. But I mean, there's a long way to go. There's a long <laughs> way to go. But from where we were, from where we started, yeah. we've already come a long way. And I mean, also, you know, it, it's been interesting that I think you're absolutely right to point the finger at the BBC and 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 the, if you like the, I hate the acronym, but the MSM, the mainstream media. Um, but, but social media has been things have really shifted. I think in public awareness in the UK in a good way simply because people have been so mobilised and energised by what's going yeah, on. And, and, and you know, Giva Hofstad such, had such fantastic success in, access, in, in, in infiltrating <laughs> UK social media with very... Well, I think, I think, I mean, I think it's, he's played an absolute storm with his, um, with his social media strategy. Well, you would, you're a federalist. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, We're not necessarily such great fans of Giva Hofstad. No, I, I, I wouldn't, wouldn't have make any assumption along those lines, but, um, but, but I do think he has played blinder in that respect. He has, yeah, absolutely. And, no. um, and so, in, in, so, so the, the, the profile of individual MEPs, um, other than those ones who do appear on mainstream media all the time, such as Nigel Farage, uh, I think have, have definitely um, grown. Uh, I mean, that's speaking as a, as a, as a private citizen watching. I, th- I think that's right. I mean, if, if it was 2018... Uh, October 2018, Brexit wasn't a thing, and we were just sort of, you know, doing our normal reports, and we probably wouldn't even be sitting in the same room. We wouldn't know each other necessarily mm. in, a, in, a, in a non this kind of. Uh, Julie and I would be fighting it out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, I don't think I don't think we would have quite as high profile. No. Absolutely, but you know, it's it's it's. I often thought if Brexit gets stopped. Or you know whatever uh, we managed to avert catastrophe. Um, it, it's, it'll be one of those great ironies, won't it? That it took a vote to leave mm. the European Union for, yeah. uh, for 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 Britain really to sort of see what the European Union is. Oh, we'll have the, I mean, if, if we leave, we'll have the biggest. We we'll leave at the point that we have the biggest pro-European movement in Europe. Yeah. <laughs> but wouldn't it be great as well if some of the way we work here was then transferred oh, back goodness. to our democracy, yeah, yes, so absolutely. we learn to cooperate as politicians? Absolutely. I mean, we we always cooperate here because you need to do that to build a majority. It's all based on compromise. Obviously, Brexit has brought us together as never before. But nonetheless, you know, I think that the whole style of doing politics here and the yeah. multi-party system and all of this it could just transform British politics. Yeah, you know, I, I so, that's so true. And I think that there's a whole. I mean, we're, we're not giving up the fight on Brexit just yet. But you know, if if, if, if things go as, as badly wrong as they look as if they're going to go and we do end up leaving the EU, uh, then there's a whole new podcast to be done and a whole new job to be done about transforming UK politics. And what, Molly, what you say is so true. Yes. I, mean, I have to say, actually, I'm, I'm a bit of a convert to all of this because I, 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 never, I, I voted for the PR option in, in that referendum, the other referendum. That one. Um, but I was never really kind of particularly yeah. swayed one way or the other. Well, it wasn't a very good PR opportunity. Um, we should be advocates for the kind of politics that, that happens here back home, definitely. And uh, 
perhaps more fundamental changes as well, because there's no coincidence that Sarah Wollaston, for example, who's very outspoken, she was not selected by Conservative Party members. Mm. She mm. was selected by a primary. Mm. Now, oh. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. She, she, she will be wow. re-selected by Conservative Party members, unfortunately, ah. which is you know, the, the way the Conservative Party works, because... You know, there is no. It, it was a. It was an experiment. It was actually the much reviled David Cameron's idea, and it worked really well because I, she. I mean, she, partly she is a very independently minded person anyway, so I wouldn't say it's all entirely for this reason. But they selected someone who wasn't really cons- constitutionally inclined towards following whips, etc. And they wasn't massively in hock to the local party. Exactly. Either, yeah. So, you know, they've got themselves a bloody good MP. Mm. And as it's turned out with Brexit, one of the few who's actually stood up and said, I changed my mind. Mm. Yeah. So um, it would be great to think that we could, all parties could make mm. those changes. Well, so, you know, I don't actually, to my shame, I don't know how the Green Party does select its candidates, but presumably it's party members that do it. Yeah, it is. And, there's not a lot to admire in the American system, but I do quite like primaries. Mm-hmm. I think it worked really well in that case. So maybe we could learn something from that. How much do you think? How much do you think this uh, that Westminster is getting sacked together in working in working cross party? Are no, but I think there are some signs. Are there any signs? on committees and so on? They just never want to be public. So they've got lots of secret meetings going on, which they'll never admit to. But nothing. We'll happily admit that we meet and we do things together. Whereas, and again, that why should I admit that Chukar Moody, you know? Tutorial. You can't do that in my party. Wow. So that's right. <laughs> 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 I love the way people keep trying to expose MEPs for working for having secret cross party no, meetings, and the response always go, Yeah, it's much healthier, isn't it? Because but, yeah, but it's different. different. And I will play the Scottish card. We've been doing this for 20 odd years now. Because we have PR for every system, yeah. every level of government, except for Westminster. And because we had a chance to design the system from the beginning. Well, I mean, to, 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 well, when the system was designed at some point. But, but, but what we had for Holyrood was a very deliberate, let's go around the European continent and see which models work best. And we went for the German one. We, I, I say having had nothing to do with it, <laughs> but we went for the German system with the additional member system. Mm. Which means that the dialogue with the citizen when you're on the doorstep, as we all are, is completely different. It, yeah. And I've stood in the Westminster election, and I've stood in the Holyrood election. And in the Westminster election, if you're voting for me, you're my best pal. Mm. If you're not, I don't care if you live or die. Mm. In a proportional system, on, on, under any sort of proportional system, it's, well, what about your second vote? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you interact with a citizen differently. Mm. You also interact with your colleagues differently, mm. because you may well need to be in coalition the other side mm. of the referendums. Mm. If you've been gratuitously offensive and run up to that, <laughs> that is going to have consequences. Mm. And whereas, it, whereas Westminster is winner-take-all and we will crush you. It's mm. sort of gladiatorial, isn't it? I find that really difficult. I, you know, I mean, because mm. I stood against the own Debenair in Bristol West, I had to stand there because it was the most likely seat. But, you know, I didn't want her not to be an MP. Mm. I just felt the Green Party mm. needed more MPs. But, you know, I had to sort of mm. battle with her. It was just horrible. And you're battling with somebody in public. And I just think what you should be doing is standing up for the ideas you believe in. And that's just so much healthier. I mean, I love the German system. But because that's because lawyers sat down after Nazism and thought, how can we make democracy work and mm. designed a good yeah. system? 
system. Yeah. Whereas our system, sort of like smoke-filled rooms, 18th century, yeah. you know, load of big girls' blouses sitting around, no women, you know, it's just a disaster. Yeah. And if, and 200 if we leave, years out of date. And if we leave, we lose the only election yeah, that we do have yeah. proportional yeah. representation. Except because in Northern Ireland. Except in Northern Ireland, but in England. In England yes, yes, we do. The problem is, of course, it's the same people that are taking us out of the EU who would defend Westminster oh, yes. to the end. Oh, yes. 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 It's, yes. it's history, mm. it's tradition, mm. it's it, all of those things. And, it and it's British, it's so it's much better than anything <laughs> else. How it's much it's it's yeah. yeah, so it, it's really sad. I, mean, I think one of, one of the really sad things about Brexit is that all of these things will be shut down. Yeah. We won't, I mean, it's nice to think that after Brexit we... Yes, we pro- we will have a resistance movement, but mm. it's going to be really hard to get any traction. Mm. Yeah, but we're just stuff with Julie. It's okay. Yes, no, I think there's a really interesting thing in the you know there's always this question in the Remain movement about uh, uh, that's put to it about what you know what happens afterwards. You know, you talk mm. as if this will solve all the problems, and of course it. You know, stopping Brexit wouldn't solve all the problems, oh, and there's no there's no status quo to go no, back to. I mean, the status quo we have is the status quo now in 2018, oh, yeah, yeah, um, not yeah. the not not the status quo in, in 2016. Yeah. But I think you know, Remain can't stand on a platform itself. It's not a political. It's yeah. not a political yeah, party, yeah, yeah, yeah. as we can see in front of us. But it's but it's nef- But there's no opportunity to do it. There's no opportunity to do these things if Brexit if, if Brexit happens yeah. and it embeds that those people are the winners and everyone else is the losers. But no, that's absolutely spot on. And I think everyone, whichever political shed they are, who who believes in stopping Brexit, the message has to be that there has to be the mother of all renewal. Mm. Yeah. You know, conversations, yeah. Yeah. programs, platforms, whatever that looks like, we have to go all around the country, and we have to make sure that this, you know, the kind of situation that led to this never happens again. And that, mm. that requires courage, it requires leadership, and it requires answers from different political groups. But it cannot be a, you know, remain in status quo thing and just go back to the twenty second of June, twenty sixteen. That's never going to work, and nor should it. No, whatever happens, that's gonna, whether we leave or stay, that's going to have to happen. Mm. It, the time to start focusing on that is is, is in April, but but, it, but, that, but no, but I think the point is that the likelihood of it happening or being successful is much lower. Much lower, absolutely. Really, it, it, but it, but it, it has to happen, possible, frankly, because yeah, as Judy says, the kind of people that have been you know, running mm. the place, and, and uh, yeah, I mean, it will be <laughs> virtually impossible to have that. Uh, but not just the kind of people who are running the place, the crisis that they will be able to mm. take advantage of. Oh, crisis covering has given themselves you know, yeah. hundreds of blank checks in the withdrawal legislation will be used. Mm. And this is where we're now in two cases in the Supreme Court from the Scottish Government saying that we will not allow you to rip up the devolution settlement without a fines. Odds on in the Supreme Court, we'll we'll see how that works, but we're we're conscious of the limitation within the UK Constitution such as it is. But it's precisely because people like Jacob Rees-Mogg and the rest have been so instrumental in stopping meaningful reform of the Second Chamber or written constitutions or regional government in England or elected mayors with real teeth. That's why the system doesn't have any resilience. Yeah. And we now have not just the perfect legal opportunity for them, but we may well have the social conditions that will require it. I think this is where, you know, my concerns about democracy and the rule of law really fit in because 
you know, what are we going to be left with afterwards in terms of our constitutional rights even? You know, I read the report from Compass today, which is making exactly this point, how did Brexit happen? It called Brexit actually a democratic revolution, and I immediately emailed Neil Lawson to say you cannot call Brexit a democratic (laughs) revolution. You can call it a revolution if you must, but, you know, okay, we need to address, I totally agree with you, Seb, the the issues that gave rise to Brexit, but we mustn't underestimate the the people who are driving this and what they're seeking to achieve. I mean, we know that, that in Liam Fox's department there are people secretly drawing up the trade deals that are going to replace the sort of arrangements we've got with the European Union and we know that the people who've driven Brexit through broke the law in order to make it happen and they're completely unrepentant about that in fact the Prime Minister has stuck up for them so you know I mean I I feel our democratic standards are really at risk and this is why I'm absolutely it's not about like let's let's see what we're going to do in April we must stop this thing from happening because the foundations we'll be working with after March just will not allow us to kind of operate politically in the way we've known all our lives. I'm, I'm convinced that that's the case, and it's mm. the most disturbing thing about Brexit. And there's not enough people who recognise that. There's mm. too yeah. many people who think, let's get this out, over and done mm. with, and then we move yes. on, you know, as if it's a sort of process thing. Yes. Yeah, no, it's really not. So, so, so coming back then to the question... Can this be stopped? How can we stop yes. this? Oh, yes. Well, the first thing is turn up on Saturday. I assume everybody's already said that. We're marching on Saturday. You know, everybody has got to be out there on the streets. Uh, 22nd of October. Am I right? 20th vital thing is that we show that this is a serious mobilization you know there's all sorts of people I mean I'm not a big fan of Delia Smith but no doubt she has her own constituency and she over there and maybe you know fishermen fishermen for you I don't like she's too prissy in her cooking to be honest with you I would chuck it all in and see what happens Anyway, so this is the most important thing to do. Be there on Saturday. You know, I, I tweeted the other day, imagine ten years' time, you know, we're living through this catastrophe, your children come to you and say, What did you do? If you can't say you were on the streets on Saturday, <laughs> they will never forgive you. So you've got to be there. Anybody in this room not gonna be there? Chris, no, no, Chris, Chris, Chris and I can't make it. We do I, have we do have people marking for us from I see I'm successfully matches. shaming you though. So yeah, absolutely. I've gone bright red. Chris Chris um, Chris Chris. Chris they march for themselves. Uh, well, no, the person missing is a person missing. No, but you, yeah, find, no but you find someone who wants to go on it and can't uh, and doesn't have the money for the train fares. And you so pay, and you pay someone who wasn't otherwise going to go. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, somebody who would who would have gone had they had the means, but didn't have the means to. So the money. No, no, the money that I was going. The money that I was going to spend anyway on going. I've given Unless to it's a funeral or a wedding or something, there's no excuse. Bottom line is that there is there are two very guilty. I think Molly wants to Yeah, well, we can give details. But <laughs> no, we'll give details. Just give details and get them right, shall we? That's always a good idea. <laughs> well, actually, if you're not going to the march and you are in Brussels on Saturday, my band is playing a gig. Just <laughs> the reason that I couldn't go. <laughs> so um, that's some, I think that's the urgent thing that we have to do. But the other really important thing is keep contacting your MP, yes, keep absolutely. them under pressure. Yeah. You know, people say, oh, they don't reply or they don't read it, but well, that's just not important. Just keep writing to them. They just measure that. Yeah. It's not and, like and, and, yeah. what you said, it's the fact that you wrote that really matters. And people really don't believe it, it's really important. It's really important. I mean, MPs measure the weight of public mm. opinion mm. a lot by, by their postbacks. That's how old-fashioned they are. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. Yeah. that is how old-fashioned they are. They think that's important. Write your MPs, turn up on Saturday. Don't use emails with uh, just cut and paste it off the web, though, because they use rules to get rid of them, no? They've handed off the most secret. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do politicians use inbox rules to get rid of? <laughs> oh, but that's when you get, get an inbox of the same yeah. text. Yeah. Yeah. If, if, yeah. If five thousand yeah. back page rabbits or whatever. You, you don't, don't have to. Do so it should be. It should be just be personal and honest. You don't have to write a really coherent letter. Just write in very big, you know, big, big font. Screening. Brexit. Support the people's vote. But do include your postcode so that they know you're there, they're a constituent. Yeah. Because that, that's yeah. also another thing. You don't have to. Don't and don't cut letters out of the newspaper. Or use green pen. Don't use green pen. I think letters to the newspaper are really important as well. I think. Um, you know, because a lot of people still read and trust local newspapers. Yeah. So yeah. every time something happens, like after the march, make sure that you you take a photograph of yourself that you say, I was there. You know, and if everybody does that in the local paper, mm. it really starts to build up this sense that the people's vote has got momentum. Yeah. Um, even the parish magazine, you know, everything that people are reading, just make sure your views are known there. Mm. That really helps as well. And I think we've already gone from the position, I said this loads of times, haven't I? But, you know, a year ago, I always say a year ago as well, but still, it's still true that in you know October last year, people who really believed the Brexit couldn't be stopped or believed there was any possibility of a, of a referendum on the deal were very, very, very much well, at the margins. Extremists. You know, and now, it's, and now it's yeah, now it's on the front page. So I mean, yeah. the Overton window have already moved, well, but also I mean, a huge amount. Prime Minister's statement sure yesterday, the response to the questions, she basically mm. left the option open because she said, "Look, were this process to collapse, were we to come back to this house effectively with nothing, then you know we have to keep the option of returning to the house, you know, the consideration of where we go next." Now that is about as coded as you can get, but it's very clear in there that she hasn't, you know, completely intellectually closed down for whatever else she was saying, which was to rule out people's vote politically, but actually in terms of process, that, she hasn't. The only trouble with that is I, I hear from a number of people, I think it's, it stacks up to me, is that she would only do that with a general election. Sure. That her her personal view is that <sighs> I'm not, okay, out, I sure. might have to back off of this, but I'm not going out and leaving it to someone else, mm. I'll go out on a general election. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that worries me because nothing mm. will change mm. in terms of the, the makeup of the House very much. Mm. Mm. might be a small majority or mm. a close to for a Corbyn, whatever. But to me, that really muddies the whole thing. Mm. Mm. The last thing we want is a general well, did, well, the general election muddied things last time because you went for a mandate for a hard Brexit, mm. didn't get it, had to get the DUP. But at the same time, uh, this uh, now what's percentage? 82% of people voted for pro, for pro Brexit parties mm. has been massively weaponized. Yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody takes any notice of that. The main point is she lost her majority, so it was great that she called the general election and basically lost it. It's really strengthened our position. We wouldn't be sitting here now thinking we might get the people's no, vote and win it if she hadn't right. called that election. That's true. Yeah. I mean, Brenda from Bristol, however, she might Good not. Yeah, she, she would be one of my constituents. She might not stomach a general election, but maybe she'll stomach a the point is that she was probably end up with both. And yes. that, she wouldn't be very well, happy that with that. But, but you know, this, the whole people's vote will be one on differential turnout. So if Brenda doesn't want to vote, well... Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's because she doesn't feel strongly enough about yeah. it. I know that Brenda's a keen Remain supporter, actually. Is no, she? Don't. <laughs> <laughs> she lives in Bristol, which is 80% Remain. Chris, on your, your point about you know how does this 
stop. I mean, the, the reality is we need we need a crisis point. Which the crisis is not through, you know, people like us and Andrew Adonis and Chuka and others, you know, influencing the EU as uh, James cleverly tweeted yesterday. Oh, this is marvelous! This is the twenty-seven sovereign countries. That guy is just so typical. If anyone wants to look at what does the average MP understand about Europe, the way it works. Just read his Twitter stuff because he. It's really proof of the nominative determinism of Rawls. No, it doesn't mean he's a stupid person or anything. It just means he has absolutely no idea about Europe, and yet he feels empowered to talk about it all the time. I Marcus Fisher. Well, I do know him. But the reality is, you know, that crisis will happen because Brexit is inconsistent with its with its promises. we we know this. Obviously, you know, this is this. It's not some great Machiavellian scheme. It's because the whole thing doesn't work. It's, yeah, it doesn't stack up. That's why we could get the crisis. At that point, it's really important. We talked a bit about you know the different um, uh, parties' attitudes to this. But at this point, if you are living in a Labour constituency that voted Leave, that will be... That is the point that you need to get in contact with. Well, you should be doing it now, but that's the point when you get in contact with your MP to urge them not to support something that is in the, you know, against the country's interests simply because there is a false choice between no deal and a bad deal. Mm. That cannot be the choice, and that's the point at which people need mm. to get in touch with their MPs. So we're, going to work back, so we're working backwards a bit here. We're working backwards a little bit here. So to get to that point, first, uh, if we're going backwards, to get to that point, we... I think everybody's pretty much agreed now that there'll have to be an extension to Article Article 50. Now, um, Fabian Zulek, who's, a, I think, fair to say, a friend of the podcast, mm-hmm. was, uh, was tweeting that, that he thinks the, he thinks the chances are hugely overestimated. Yeah. Like, what, what sense do what sense you, do you have? You mean the chances of it being granted if it were asked yeah. for? Yeah. Oh, I think they're really high. I do too. I, so this, maybe, I, I mean, maybe I'm being over-optimistic when, obviously, I've got all kinds of reasons to want to be, but I, I really think they're quite high. I, I've heard it from many sources that if we were to ask for an extension of Article 50 based on the fact that we wanted to complete the democratic process by having a second vote, it would be granted. Mm, yeah. So it would be a ratification, I mean a ratification referendum is standard practice in no, no, in the, in the EU, it's not, it's, not in, it's not in the it's right. not in the union movement, which in the, you know, in the yeah. Labour Party, I'm going to be, this yes. idea that you, you get a mandate to negotiation, you then get your members to back, uh, you know, support or reject whatever you come back with, this yeah. is a really fundamental principle. Well, it's, it's, a trade trade it's a Conservative government legislated that, didn't it? May well have done. May well have done. I can't try to do over the union. Yeah, yeah, But it's how trade negotiations in the EU work as well. So council gives council gives mandate to the commission. The commission doesn't. The commission can't can't sign on behalf of council. They have to take back. They have to take everyday life. You make a decision, and you know if 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 what your experience of the consequences of that decision are. If they're bad, you don't follow it through blindly because you thought, well, I made that decision anyway, I'm just going to go ahead with it. You go, oh, actually, hang on a minute, this isn't what I wanted. And this was Dominic Green's point, shame, wasn't it, in the debate last night? You know, that it has to go back to the people because what's coming out is so different to what was exactly. promised. I think that's the most important the legitimacy of the vote, not just because the vote was tainted in terms of how the Leave campaign operated, but it was the absolute lack of a prospectus. Mm. There yeah. was no manifesto, there was no union. And it was deliberate, it was a choice, and it was an open choice. choice. I mean, the campaign said it wasn't going and to do that. raised their website the day after the referendum. Yes. I know, it, it's right, Steve Analyst has clicked it. We tend to forget, also, forget that, but that, that, you know, yeah. that was a very deliberate act. Very, and telling, yeah. very, very mm-hmm. telling. But, but in terms of 
political sentiment across the 27 and within the European Parliament about granting an extension, it would need to be for a thing. Yes. Yes. It, it wouldn't yes. just be for sorry, we've been a bit rubbish, mm. yeah. <laughs> which we have. Or we, or we didn't get what we wanted and we want another true. go. Yeah. Mm. But, but in or terms we're of, a different party and we want another go. Yeah, for, for that sort of thing, it, <laughs> the, the, there, there would be more more of a threshold to get over because Article yeah. 50 is quite clear that it needs to be on request by unanimous agreement. Yeah. So there's always the, oh, well, somebody's going to throw a spanner into those works. There'd but have to be the option of rejecting Brexit and remaining, yeah. for the, yeah. I think, mm, for the 27 to yeah. have but the unanimous agreement, because yeah. what's in it for them? Mm. Yeah. Yes. But that's what, that's what, that's what Fabian Zuleg was saying, though, is what's in it for them. Yeah. They just want, don't you have a sense that they just want it to be, to be over with? They're I, just absolutely sick of I it. And they want uh, certainty, even if it's bad certainty, is better than yeah, uncertainty. Yeah, I, I know what you mean, but I, I, I think there's, you know, it's a minority opinion, if I'm honest. I don't know if Fabian's listening. I hope he is, because there's something else I want to <laughs> just draw him up on in his tweet. But, um, <laughs> the, you know, there is a, a minority opinion that says, look, just get these Brits out, because we need to move on. And I, I totally understand yeah. and empathise, but actually I think the vast majority of people recognise at this juncture in history with Putin and Trump and everything else that's going on, it's a very, very bad idea to have 65 million people thrown into chaos. Mm-hmm. And, and this is just a very quick mm. thing. He said the internal Tory demons, if you like, needed to be exercised and Brexit needed to happen for that process to, to, to complete itself before, you know, Britain could renew itself. All I would say to him is, yes, we got here because of an internal Tory party, um, you know, whatever, ding dong, for want of a better phrase. Um, but the reality, of course, we're talking about an entire nation. We're talking about the livelihoods of people up and down the country. It, we, we can't afford to get this wrong. And getting this wrong if we leave, I'm afraid, does mean that we spiral into this kind of um, uh, a, a crisis where normal democratic procedures don't work properly, where we can't have an honest discussion about the future of the country. And that's, that's the point I'd make to him, is that it's just too high a risk. And in EU, but do you think it's enough in EU27's interest to avoid that? That was just for Fabian. But, I mean, the, the, <laughs> in terms of the, the EU27, um, yes, I do. I honestly do. And I think the geopolitical stuff is, is, is where we... I think there are a couple that really would be very happy if Britain did disappear, mm. but I don't think they'll stick out as outliers. I, th- it's not going to be a veto. I mean, I think if there's a <clears throat> if there's a movement towards you know sixty percent of them have, then I, I think the others will fall yeah, into. I, I don't think so anyone will say, I mean, "Oh no, no." Now, what they've gained from this is that we have demonstrated very clearly what a complete disaster it is to try and leave the European Union. It would be a huge geopolitical victory. It's been a learning exercise for everybody in Ireland. Yes, it lasted yes. a week at 95%. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every time somebody mentions Ireland leaving the EU, the percentage of people who do want to remain in the EU goes up. Ridiculous Irexes. stuff yeah. from Farage and say, you know, Irexes or whatever. I mean, they yeah. haven't got a clue. Did you, did you, did you see him on, yeah. on, on the late late no, show? I can't watch him. I'm sorry. No, no. But there was a clip going around, wasn't there, yesterday, where, where he and Alistair Campbell oh, yeah. had a big ding dong on oh, the your oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> on your shit. Was that, can I just say at this shit. point something about the fact that I'm a bit sick of all the men in suits arguing <laughs> each other about Brexit? I mean, ninety percent of the. Uh, yeah, come on, I'm getting a new podcast <laughs> yeah, again. I'm never aware of it. Ninety percent of the chat in 
in the House of Commons yeah, was men. Um, most of the people we hear on the media are men. Most of these appalling pro-Brexit pro MEPs that we have to see on Question Time, men. You know, I'm a bit sick of it. I, I like Alan Bennett's quote, which is, you know, history is women following behind men with a bucket. I'm feeling a bit <laughs> like that now. I mean, I'll make you honorary women and I'll issue you guys with a bucket. But seriously, what, you know, why aren't we hearing more from women? We know women will lose more if Brexit goes ahead. They're more likely to work in the public sector where they'll face cuts. You know, there's all sorts of reasons why this is going to be really bad for women. And yet we're just not hearing from them. Despite from, women for you, just then, despite but, women for EU's uh, fantastic efforts as well. Women for EU are doing a great job. They're relatively new to set up, but I really appreciate what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, and I think the unions have made this point as well. Yeah. But it's it's more about the actual political process and the media discussion, which is so dominated by men. And that was part of the problem last time around, wasn't mm-hmm. it? You know, we heard from all these sooty Remain men saying how brilliant it was going to be for everybody else to, to well, stay in the EU. We've got some yeah, Remain yeah. women. I mean, the three that were supposed to resign today miraculously have been corralled into loyalty it seems in the cabinets Ledson, Mordaunt McVeigh they were, the, they were apparently Can we have three women, big please, <laughs> 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 I'll edit that, it'll be fine Molly. It'll, yes. come out, it'll come out coherent <laughs> they're, they're, they're the wrong sorts of women See, <laughs> <laughs> so once you open that door yeah, yeah, But it does support your point because they have been fingered in all the media as the three who are difficult Have we heard a peep from mm. either of them? Mm. No mm. That's they, a haven't very said, good point. they haven't it's said a, a very word and yet they are fingered as the ones I, I don't know what that tells us, but yeah, there are far too many men pontificating. They might have looked at Andrea Ledson. There are about They might have looked at Andrea Ledson and thought maybe it's better if we don't speak for them. Well, indeed. Well, both <laughs> Andrea, Andrea Ledson and Penny Morden made massive mistakes in the referendum. Yeah. Yeah, Morden said that. The, the thing about Turkey, Turkey. Yeah. and Andrea Ledson, well, you know, she made many. Yeah. Um, she is, is battling away on on the, the benefits side. So I don't know. So I mean, I guess, I guess they. Why anybody made up? I guess that they were going to resign. But so going so going backwards in our in our in our sequence of stopping Brexit, we've been working backwards, and that's the that's the. Um, the the next the stage before that is is, is something happening in the house in the House of Commons and what what are the eventually I'm hoping to work back to whether there's going whether there's going to be a withdrawal agreement at the council in the next few weeks. Look, but it could be quite soon. I mean, we're saying it's going to be um, a while, but it could actually happen quite quickly. I mean, if if there's obviously a breakdown in the negotiations, then. Labour could take some action. There are many points at which Labour could take action in the House of Commons, I think. But the ultimate point is, I think I'm right in saying the 21st of January, when the Withdrawal Act says that the Prime Minister has to report back to Parliament on the state of the negotiations. And that is the point at which Labour will, I think, provoke something. You know, presumably a general election vote first who have voted no confidence, which I'm sure they'll lose. And then, then, look at the then this is when Keir Starmer has to put down the, the people's vote. And the, the conference resolution leaves that open. But that could happen sooner if it's yeah, clear a- that the negotiations have broken down this autumn, yes. which it could be. Well, this relies on the Speaker allowing yes, amendments. Yes, there's a whole sequencing thing here that is um, uh, very technically difficult. But uh, yes, basically the government will seek through technicalities of the, the way in which amendments are tabled in the Commons to... Um, uh, basically, it would mean that the, vote on, that the amendment on the people's vote would come after the... the 
the, the point of which I, I can't quite remember the technicalities of it, but there's a way of scuppering people's but votes. But is it the speaker's decision? Yeah. Because obviously, it is the decision, I think the speaker's safe till next summer now. I mean, I'm trying to get decision. rid of him, but I think his coming out well, and saying I'll stay till next yeah. summer is a good move because I think it will look very suspect if they depose him. Yeah. Well, then the next, the next question, uh, it's a scary question to ask. I mean, we know about. Uh, for, we know about motions in the House of Commons. I mean, has there ever been a change in government policy as a result of an early day motion or an opposition day motion? I mean, motions carry no actual legislative no, weight. It's only a constitutional uh, convention. I'm, but we have a government that we know doesn't care. I mean, doesn't care at all about constitutional conventions. Yeah. So could they still stick it? Could they still stick it out? Well, they've never, we've never had a situation where you could get a sizable portion of the governing party uh, to agree with the opposition policy. Um, which could happen, of course, in this case. You, you, you know, we're, there, there's no parliamentary majority for the government. You've got to assume by by this point the DUP have, you know, joined the the hardliners. So, could they make it a confidence issue? Could they? Yeah, but I mean, all of these things now become confidence issues as soon as the DUP yeah, are yeah, on the yeah, public. Very true. And, yeah. and everything's a confidence issue. Yeah. And and if it's no deal, either the government falls or there's a referendum, yeah. or Article Fifty is extended and we all keep talking. Or if there's a deal that doesn't work for Ireland because it's sufficiently clear, then there's a collapse yeah. and there's a referendum anyway. Yes, nobody ever, nobody ever talks about whether nobody ever talks about uh, a no deal caused by, for instance, Parliament rejecting it over mm. the European Parliament rejecting it over Ireland or over citizens' rights. So I, I wanted to. Nobody ever, nobody ever asks what happens in those well, circumstances. Well, the European Parliament rejected. Well, they, they keep us very closely in touch, and I, I, I mean, the risk would be. Not that they, not that we get to a point where we reject it on content, but the process gets so tight that we just don't have time to deal with it properly. And if they treat us like a rubber stamp, I think that's when people will get fairly fed up. And by they, you mean council? Yeah, if the council have agreed something and it doesn't have a chance to go through our committees and be properly considered here, then that means it has to be done before Christmas. Yeah. So if there isn't a deal before Christmas, we are effectively being turned into a rubber yeah. stamp, and that's when the Parliament might get quite nasty it about is, it. It is, and actually there are some details with the technicalities of the withdrawal uh, agreement that the Parliament will scrutinise very closely, most especially, of course, on citizens' rights. Mm. Uh, and if it's deemed that actually the, 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 there's not sufficient detail in there, then that will be a red line for the Parliament. I don't think that will happen. I think that basically that's one of the issues that probably will uh, have sufficient text, although the, the length that it's taken to talk about it and the fact it's not been ring-fenced, but that's a separate issue, uh, is very disappointing. But, um, but on the Irish border if it's already past council it's very hard to see yeah. how, the, how the European Agreed. Parliament would vote it down but, um, and it would mean no deal if they did presumably it would, it, yes yeah. absolutely yeah. and it could it could even come as late as March yeah. the March 2nd plenary uh, which Good is, well, I mean uh, that's an extreme <laughs> scenario but, yeah. but let, let's also look at this, I mean I, 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 speaking personally I, I don't know about um, Alan and Molly but I could never vote for something that was substandard to being in the EU or indeed was something that was, was wishy-washy and left all the detail to the future. Um, and I don't know how, my, how our colleagues here feel about the idea of voting for something that's wishy-washy on the future as well. I think maybe the future framework, that's possibly where the Parliament I might agree. pay some attention. But uh, so what's, what's Parliament's role with the political declaration then? So you, you, you have part of the package. It, it's a single package. package. Yeah. Is, yeah. Once it leaves us, it will become a trade negotiation and we have very limited power sure. over a trade negotiation and that's why we have to make our, our power felt before mm. 
the UK leaves. And that's why, as Seb says, you know, so, if they leave the whole future relationship very open. I mean, I don't think Barnier wants to do that. And no, I, no, I think, no, no, no. you know, and May, actually, May said she yes, doesn't she die, but she said she won't, she won't have a but, short. But, but, I mean, what... Yeah, I think she will ultimately, yeah. but... Yeah, yeah. May is, it doesn't really have a powerful position, so she's going to have to take what she can get. But in terms of Barnier... That's an evergreen Brexit take, that, I think, actually. What he doesn't want to happen is the UK to be allowed to cut standards, to cut, you know, to allow tax avoidance, all that kind of stuff that they've been talking about. That has to be in the exit agreement. Mm. Yeah. Um, and if it's not, then, I, you yeah. know, I don't feel inclined to vote yeah, for it. I mean, absolutely. it's going to be tough for us to vote for it anyway, yeah. isn't yeah. it, well, to be it, honest, whatever it has in it. It's explicit that the political agreement will not, the political declaration will not have legal effect. No, yeah, it's not that. Now, forgive me, but my solicitor's practice certificate is switching. <laughs> if it doesn't have legal effect, it's bloody meaningless. Mm. Especially when you're dealing with people like we're dealing with. Yes, exactly. And the idea that this, this will actually count for anything yeah. long term, I, th- I think, really is wishful thinking. New Commission, New Parliament, really? New, new Parliament in yeah, Westminster too. Yeah. I mean, the sentiment here amongst MEPs is we don't have a right to keep a member state in the, in, in, in the union that doesn't want to be here. But equally, there's a greater awareness here than there is in domestic politics, however you define domestic in the UK, that this isn't going to just stop in March. There is going to be a long-term set of negotiations. And I think the citizens' rights stuff is going to be legislated to death. I think the financial settlement stuff is going to be challenged. And I think Northern Ireland isn't going to be observed. Mm. So if we are in the position that the Parliament nodded through fudgy, fudgy, fudginess, mm. then that would be actually be a dereliction of duty. Mm. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And there is a, a real willingness to deliver an orderly Brexit. And the fact that Michel Barnier has ruled himself out of the Spitzen candidate for the Commission mm. President's mm. job. Which I think it's really interesting. Maybe he's just flounced off Twitter to come back again. <laughs> maybe he just wants to retire and do a bit of climbing. You know? <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe he's enjoying the limelight of this. <laughs> it, it wouldn't be that. But, but, but the fact that he suggests he's staying in for the long haul, I, I think I, I took that to be positive in that I was taking his, I must deliver an orderly Brexit, let's get something we can hold our nose and call Brexit, walk away, and then the fact that it collapses six months later isn't my job. Yeah. My Brexit was great. But the fact that he is digging in for a longer term engagement, I take to be a very positive sign. Mm-hmm. But the European Parliament has been in really need to have a serious choice mm-hmm. about do we not through a fudge that isn't going to last and may well actually entrench the acrimony that we're going to see, or do we do we go a bit longer and get something that's actually going to work? But when you say go a bit longer, what does that mean? Because well, could they could the parliament? Yeah, could the parliament go back to council and say we wanted to renegotiate this? Well, or we, we want to extend. Well, I mean, could you? It could. could would have no. Have no legal There's no status for it. But if the parliament, if the parliament rejects the deal, yeah. re- rejects the withdrawal agreement, yeah. let's, let's they can be precise, yeah. precise yeah. about what we're talking yeah. about. If the Parliament rejects the withdrawal agreement, there is no deal. Yeah. But if we reject, rejected the withdrawal agreement saying this, is, this isn't ready yet, guys, yeah. go and do it. You've got another two years. Yeah. Or we think there should be another two years. I think there would be a crisis which would probably result in another two years. Yeah. But we, in the meantime, I, I mean, the UK is busy saying, I mean, how does that fly in London? I can't, see, mm. I can't see anyone here agreeing to an extension for anything other than Agree. Yeah. I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I, it's but knowing, too messy. But, 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 knowing, but, but that's my point. Knowing that it would precipitate that crisis, right. too messy. <laughs> I haven't stopped anything else in breath. <laughs> <laughs> the, the EU hasn't made things messy. That's, that's a good point. The, the point that Alan makes is, 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 is precisely the one that we need to make more of, in the
basically, people here are facing the same choice that the Labour Leave MPs that I was talking about are facing. By Labour Leave, I mean Labour MPs in Leave areas, who are looking at the the no deal or deal thing. Mm. And here, they might think in that vernacular as well. But the reality, of course, is that by steering away from no deal towards a fudge, you probably make no deal more likely in the end. Mm. Because actually, the fudge cannot sustain itself. The compromise is not that, because the the, the ERG and all the extremists continually want to rip it up. So actually, that is a very, very bad way to go. If you're going to have a deal, it has to be robust. Mm. Yeah. Doesn't it, don't we just get one vote on the whole package? I mean, I we don't get to vote the future so relationships. Oh, no, it's one, 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 one vote. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Presumably, if it is March the 2nd, by the way, for people who don't know that, March the 2nd is, is that there are two plenary sessions in March 2019, and the second one would be on the week of the 29th. So whatever whatever day that is, then <laughs> <laughs> so it, could be, it could be a vote on the 27th. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. Wow. It's going to be hard to vote against it. Yeah, it would be it? very <laughs> difficult to sort of plunge the country into some sort of yeah. So then we're so then we're back to so then we we're working our way back to whether there'll be a with, withdrawal agreement or not. Whether this is all yeah, this is all theatre. I think there'll definitely be a deal. I think it, the, the stuff about no deal is mostly posturing, and you know on both sides to be you honest with you. I don't think people are prepared for no deal, and I think. It's just going to be so catastrophic. I mean, which politician would vote to make that happen? But the point is... It could happen by accident. Exactly. If David Allen Green was here, he would say by automatic process of law. No, but I think... Um, it's it's the, the, actually, the default position of Brexit is no deal. But yeah. that's yeah, why no, people course, will act. Exactly. There's too much time. Right, so yeah. we will know by the new year. Okay, that's three months. Yeah. There's no point. There's no way we're going to sit around for three months going, no. well, it's going to be no deal. There's exactly. nothing we can do. No, it's not going to happen. I remember that 21st of January date, and I think companies in the new year they've all got their plans in place you know um by by christmas they will say right well and there isn't anything happening we're starting those plans in january and then we will see the companies move we will see the actual preparations for no deal happening then and that will concentrate everybody's, everybody's but there's still so far between the two positions i mean on northern ireland i mean there's Do you want no, me to solve? I've got a solution to the Northern Ireland. Stay, I'm, not sure. Stay in the I'm not sure I should share it, just in case. No, the point is, customs checks are not about sovereignty. This is the most important yeah. thing. The DUP said that. We know, we know. Of course, but you're not dealing with rational partners. So Animal we're checks we're alone are perfectly fine, whereas yeah. customs checks on products are a blood red line. So, yeah. so, the, Northern, so, so the Northern Ireland thing is basically the totally DUP just being ridiculous. Yeah, it's totally arbitrary. So this is quite risky, because everybody else could be sensitive. And there could be a solution to the Northern Ireland thing if the Prime Minister stopped listening to yes. the nonsense from yes. the DUP. Which is afraid to say. But she's tied herself. Well, to I wish I hadn't told her that. But, but she's you know. but she's tied herself to that poll now. I mean, she said. No, I don't she, think so. I think she's getting rid of, she, ready she, to get she rid will, of the DUP. She will get rid of but she said like yes. She said she might get rid of the DUP. But she said yesterday in the House yeah. that any additional checks from what we have now yeah. would be tearing the that, would be tearing the, the bit, country apart. That's the bit that will go in my opinion. But my point is, it's very easy to go back on things you said. Six months ago, it's very, very difficult to say they could go back on things you said last week. <laughs> and she was doubling down yesterday. I mean, I thought I the, chance, the chances of no deal rocketed <laughs> dramatically. No, this, this is why we've seen all this performance here with Rob coming out and going up at Rapples sweaty and exhausted, you know. So then she can say, Well, I really tried 
really, really hard, but I couldn't get away with it. And then she'll get rid Back of the DUP, up. and unfortunately, everybody will be breathing a sigh of relief. And, and all you know, Seb's um, people, Seb's Labour colleagues in Leave constituencies will be thinking maybe I should vote for that. This is a big risk for us. This oh yeah, I think the biggest risk is that there's a kind of a crap deal and everybody's scared by Operation Sheep. I don't think it's a very small number of MPs, but nonetheless, that risk is there, and of course, the numbers are very tight. So I don't think this is a widespread thing. No, no, no. We're talking about you know 10, 15, 20. Totally understand, mm. I, and it, it's very difficult for, for for a lot of my colleagues. I completely understand, but what, all I'd say to them is there are two tests that they should apply, as well as the six tests. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> the two tests are: does this make life better for the in people the UK? I represent? And the second the test is: does this deliver on what was promised in 2016? Yes. Yeah, absolutely, obviously, no. And these people, these friends and colleagues of yours, are in the sort of areas that are going to lose out absolutely the worst from Brexit. Yeah. That's completely clear. You know, and they are not doing well by their constituents if they carry through on their on their decision for Brexit because they've been conned. Quite. And it's not what the Leave voters and their constituencies voted for. And of course it will make the the lives and the communities that they represent yeah, very much worse. And and the point is no one will sit there in, in, in a few years' time and go, Well thank you. Yeah. Quite Maybe right. They'll go you knew this would happen. Why did you? Mm. So what we have to so what we have to get MPs passed is uh, Operation. It's <laughs> been termed Operation Shit Your Pants, which, <laughs> which was the whole point of the No Deal notices. Yeah. Um, and you have to yes. get them past this. Yes. The only yes. alternative to yes. the to the to May's deal yeah. is is No Deal. Yeah, it's not a bad deal or No Deal. That's not. How do you decide the future of the country on a choice like that? It's no, absurd. Exactly. Absolutely. How is it? How is it possibly come to a situation <laughs> where MPs are thinking? Oh, I think no, you do the best day. for your constituents, yeah. and the best is what we've got now. No, and least, they know that. The only, they well, the only question that's ever been the least crap. That's the only question. It's always the damage. Do you want absolute and utter catastrophe yeah. or just a complete, you know, yeah, economic Armageddon? What's the choice? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, we need to wrap up because we've been talking for an hour and a half. This has been just incredibly useful. But yeah, I've, just, I've been loving this. This is amazing. Let's all come back uh, in we, April we and talk about that. Every week if you want to. We need to wrap up. Listen, um, thank you so much. Um, Julie's already gone. Yes. Unfortunately. Yes, Julie hasn't been quiet for the last time. She, uh, 20 minutes she, she had to run to something else. So. Um, we're going to wrap up. I think we haven't got time for our usual live week. We might add it later. We might not. We might add it later because we did actually have some corkers. We had some corkers. So not the week is that it's a choice between no deal or a bad deal. That's well, the right the week. And the Brexit panic has started on the continent. That was another live that was week. Another live week, yeah. There are a few others. <laughs> there are a few. We'll, 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 we'll add. All right, listen, thank you very much indeed. Um, Good to see you. Thanks, all of you. Um, we'll see you all on Twitter. We'll um, keep fighting the fight. Uh, we won't see you on Saturday because. Oh. No, because of. Um, sure. yeah, Will you bring up 10 friends who are in London? Yes. Make sure they yes, go. You can't Absolutely. Do that. Get 10 people I've on the I've been sending t shirts out. He has sent t shirts out. We're going to ask you which 10 people they were, and okay. we're going to make sure we find them. We're going to have a register. <laughs> All right. Thanks very much. Thanks very much, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night. Show love.